I am a little bit of a pessimist, and you are, you know, but we know that. But that's my job. You're supposed to bring the positivity here. Munster, not one of the best teams in the world at the moment. The Red Seventy Eight with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Up next with Tommy Rooney. First, a passionate Paddy Andrews fumed about the state of me football in the latest episode of the Football Pod. The Football Pod, in partnership with AIB, proud sponsors of the GA Senior Football Championship. Check out the hashtag, the toughest for more. I don't care about Beasley or Bonnet. If BGA wants to be successful, you pull in the same direction. Look at what Offaly are doing. Look at what Rory Gallagher, Christian McKeg, all these guys are very safe. That type of shit. They don't want this. County board don't want this. The players don't want this. The supporters don't want this. You have got no chance. You can bring in Pep Guardiola next season. And if everyone's pulling in different directions, it's going to be the same story. Get used to Division 2. Get used to hiding off Dublin and Crow Park. First protocol, everyone is for the benefit of me, GA. Clubs, supporters, sponsors, players. Because I don't care who you are. You can be the world's greatest coach and you go in there. If that's not a place, forget about it. Templates are there. And it can turn around quickly. But if there's people going the other directions, no one will want the job. That would be my advice. That annoys me. When there's self-sabotage within the county. Like, are we not here to see me, GA, progress and be back to the boiling days and that type of thing? We, Dublin people want that. The Leinster Championship needs that. And look, you can take a leaf out of Kildare's book. The bounce they've got, like, I don't think they're going to get through at the weekend but bring in four of their greatest legends and all of a sudden the supporters are behind you, the sponsors are behind you and I tell you, if you're a young player in there, you're behind the team as well. So, it is a big appointment. It's massive. And you've got to be pulling in the same direction from the good start. Tommy, you look, you look like you were, um, you look like you were a school kid in front of the principal and the principal was a bit angry there. Yeah, no, that definitely happened to me there, Jer. I was like a deer in the headlights. Yep. Uh, but that's what Paddy Andrews is like when he cares about something and he clearly cares about the state of Mead football they should get him in <laughs> I know imagine that was the point I was trying to make I was uh, trying to make the point that it can be tricky to get in an outside manager in a county like Mead Banty Seamus McEnany was the only one we had that went very sour we ended up in Division 3 uh, the county board in March voted to get him out the clubs then went back on the county board, disagreed. Very similar to what happened last October with Andy McEntee. When oh, right. I didn't realise the same thing. Exact same thing had happened. Yeah, it's, it's happened three times during the last 10 years where the Mead County Board have voted to do something and the clubs have said, you're hang wrong. On, hang on there now. Yeah. Hang, on, hang on there now. Am I getting yeah. my tickets for the game? They voted to keep Eamon O'Brien. The club said, good luck. They voted to get rid of Banty. The Mead club said, you're staying mid-season. <laughs> They voted to get rid of McEntee wow. in October when Mead season ended in July. And the club said, you're staying. Now, if, if, if Mead had gotten rid of Andy McEntee last October, they were going to be one of 10 counties that were out of management ticket at that time. And I know, because we were joking on the football pod about where Andy Moran was going to go next. So there was 10 counties. There was nine counties at that time who still hadn't got a management team sorted. So we'd have been in a very, very, very tricky position. I didn't think there was any candidates ready to go last October. I was very surprised. But... What was very clear was when McIntyre stayed on and he said he was going to go for it and the clubs voted him back in, this was going to be the final year. That it had, it had probably reached the ceiling already 
in 21. That defeat to Kildare in the playoff to get back to Division 1 was the, the killer blow. It was obvious. Where's the succession plan? Where is it? Like, there's a little bit of work done, sure, with the minors and the under-20s over the last couple of years where John McCarthy and Carlo Brick have alternated. Um, and Carlo Brick's come into McCarthy's under-20 management team where he's supposed to this year. And they've got a bit of a plan going there, right? I would not be throwing Carlo Brick in at the minute. And at the minute, he's the only real internal candidate in Mead that people are talking about. I would not be throwing him in right now because the minors that he's been involved with are four years, five years away from being anywhere close to competing at inter-county football. And we know how difficult it is to get players through, regardless of whether they won or not Ireland when they were 17 years old or not. But surely so, we don't need to stay internal, Tommy. Well, I would think so, Ashton. But again, I don't know. You would think so what? Who, I would think we don't. We need to go outside the county. Okay. I think that we need to have somebody coming in, freshen things up a little bit, change things up, um, and have that plan in place that when that very talented, we've had a very couple of very talented minor teams and a couple of talented under twenty teams that when they are big enough and old enough and strong enough that they're ready to move into Division One football, not Division Two football. We need to be playing Division One football consistently over the next couple of years. So yeah, I'd be saying go get someone but I don't know who that is like I've seen names thrown out there Jer and Ashen and I don't know have they just been made up have they been pulled out of the sky is it a bit like the Manchester United job when something comes up the names just get thrown oh we'd love this fella and it grabs a bit of legs so I don't know who's legit but the noise in the county at the minute is that an outside manager is definitely a possibility yeah like oh sorry I wasn't saying there that internally that can't happen just the best person for the job Mm. It shouldn't have to be internally, whoever the best person it is. If they are within me, happy days. But it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter. You know, the best person should be the one that gets in there. Well, if the if the belief is that the management team over the the minor and under 20 teams are going to get there eventually, but they're not ready yet, then give them another couple of years there and have them be your succession plan for whoever comes next. Give them a two to three year deal and hope that that works and so they even get even longer to hone their craft and see the throughput of, of young players. Uh, I don't know. Maybe succession plans are overrated in Gaelic games though. It's not like it's a professional job where somebody will do a job for three or four years and then automatically go up. Like what, what Dublin did with... Uh, at the end of the Pacilroy era when they had Pacilroy and Jim Gavin and Desi like and then that like this is our plan now for the next 10 years it turned out that's very unusual and you could probably only do that if you have the throughput of players that they had where everybody's like well this is a generational team I'm going to stick around for it like you know it worked, it worked in Donegal with McGuinness he had the 21s he took the senior team um, I don't know whether that was by design or whether it was a succession plan but well bear in mind McGuinness, you know, it, McGuinness had three times been turned down for the under 21 job before yeah. that so like yeah. uh, again I'd say there are uh, exceptions yeah, uh, that prove the rule really yeah like people are, are are excited about those minor teams and under 20 teams over the last couple of years I think it's a different situation at Hendrick management I just think it's different like it's nearly like running a I don't know, like a big business or something. It's absolutely huge. Like Ashton was talking there about it being 24-7 that you're committing to. And that's what Andy McIntyre did for six years. And it's an unbelievable commitment to do that at inter-county level. For a county with the expectation and the size, the the expectation, whatever, about how, how you know, poorly placed it is. The expectation and size of a county like Mead. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where you're going to get someone. Like, how far outside are you going to go? Are you going to get somebody from the bottom of the county, the country, in Kerry? I don't think so. Are you going to get someone from the top of the country? I highly doubt it. Um, so I don't know where Mead are going to turn to next. Dublin, obviously. 
Like, what do you mean? Obviously, who, Jerdock? I don't know. I like. I, I don't know enough about the available coaching talent out there. And to be honest, mm. an individual coming and saying, "I'm the man." No thanks. What I want is a backroom team. Here's my coach. Here's my strength and conditioning plan. Here's how I'm going to integrate with the the clubs. Here's how I'm going to take a handover from Andy McEntee and his crew and a bit of continuity. Like I, I don't I don't know enough about me football to know, but certainly an individual coming in and saying, "Right, I'm the one Messiah that's going to fix all this." That's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say we don't know who the candidates are yet. It'll be the clubs who'll be proposing them. And I would also add that there's a very good football review committee in place that I'd imagine will have an influence over who picks the next management team as well. And so the we, clubs will have a big say. Do we think the clubs will have a say? Do we think the, the clubs review committee will have a say? Do oh, sorry. Okay. So the, the uh, and do you know is there like it, are the clubs the best people to be selecting? For a start, do they know enough about what's out there and what the bleeding edge of intercounty football management involves? I would, I would say absolutely they shouldn't. To be honest, like I would say that the players should have as much say as the coach. Like the intercounty players there at the minute, the core players, the players that you want to keep, like Kyogen and Menton, um, who are thirty-one years of age now. And if Kyogen and Menton don't stay on, and I'll be honest, it was the first time I ever thought they looked human against Clare, and I think part of that is that. It's natural in any team, I think. All the players in the day, they just looked a couple of percent off it. They mm-hmm. just did. It just looked like people were waiting for the year to be over because they knew it was over, that this project was over. And I think it's fair to say that even when me got back at it in 20, early 2022, things just didn't look the same. I do believe that the players should have a say as well. In other counties, Tommy, do we know if they, they've had a, a say in the past? Well, Well, famously... In 2015, in Mayo, when uh, Noel Kennelly and Pat Holmes were, you could say, ousted after their All-Ireland semi-final defeat to Dublin, the Mayo players wanted to have representation on that executive. In club in club football, I know many clubs around the country... We did it this year. Won't, yeah. won't make a call without the players having a say. Because mm-hmm. the players know exactly what's needed. I, I'm not saying they should have ultimate say, absolutely not. But I'm saying that if you've got something like the, a football review committee where me have a number of very smart people operating... Um, at a developmental level in, in, in Mead and looking at the wider picture if you've got a county board who are in place obviously the club should have a say the players have to have a say as well I think if, you're, if you've got an eight an eight team committee two of them have to be players uh, John Claffey says Mead need to be more like Offaly and get back to basics and lose the sense of entitlement Rommel who's, who's, on, who's on one this morning says Mead fans want to get off their high horse and realise it's not the 90s anymore they are spent and the fans delusional me and the Blackburn Rovers of the GA world he also goes on to say hopefully Mayo Tunkel there so we can all watch Gilroy squirm next week mm. thanks Rommel and a happy good morning to you too <laughs> good morning Rommel yeah. uh, like, he, he probably sleep. is right like, it definitely isn't the 90s anymore but there is no reason why Mead football shouldn't be back in the mix and shouldn't be consistently performing at Division 1 level and that is what they need and I know Ashley made the point earlier about 2019 between August 2019 at the end of the league campaign in 2020, Mead played more Division 1 teams than they'd played in the previous decade of football in league and championship. So in, in a space of, it would have been six months if the pandemic hadn't kicked in, but in the space of, I think, 15 months, they played more Division 1 teams. So the county haven't competed at that level for an awful long time. And when we were competing in that Division 1, those that, that year, that just 2019, like we were competing. The games are yeah. all seriously close. It came down to, I think it was Mayo was two, three points. Like they were all seriously close. So you can do it if you 
buy in and as a collective play together and I think that's what we haven't really seen the talent I feel is is there is just playing as one uh, Danny Mack says Jim Gavin to be the next Mead manager Danny's having a laugh no chance yeah <laughs> but like Jim Gavin isn't Jim Gavin has completed the greatest feat yeah. that to be completed in Gaelic football Jim Gavin has a young family I can't imagine Jim, Jim Gavin has a a career that he takes very seriously. I can't imagine that Jim Gavin is going to give that up to save Mead football. Now, in saying that, you hear Paddy Andrews and how much he cares about getting Mead back. That is the problem. I got a lovely reception in Mayo last week as a Mead man. Oh, yeah. As Paddy opposed to hatred. Yeah. Yeah, is trying to, you know, get Mead back. The Dublin football need them back. The Leinster football need them back. In Clare the last day, all very amicable. It's not a good place to be as a Mead fan. <laughs> That people actually no, we hated mind. you. We we hated you for decades because yeah. you just always beat us. Whereas now it's yeah. like ah, we can talk football again, no problems. Exactly. You're not exactly. too bad. So we need to get back to that. We need to be hated again. Uh, John Lynch says, "What have Offaly done? Division three. They've won one Leicester title in forty years. They haven't reached Leicester final in over a decade. Offaly have improved from rock bottom, still below average. I think the point is that it's clear. Well, actually, what they have done is they've managed to get like a massive corporation involved in sponsorship, and they've." Uh, started the underage structures to be super competitive and they've got the supporters believing that they're going in the right direction and now maybe I'm, I'm going against myself here in that they do have a messianic figure but at administrative level as opposed to managerial level it just looks like they're putting structures in place to give everybody the best opportunity to succeed and you wouldn't say that um, that was always the case with uh, Meath um, that I'm not sure Andy McIntyre always had the, the structures behind him and the whole county behind him so uh, right um, some interesting games this weekend coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mayo, there are some very interesting games. Mayo heavy favourites uh, for they the game against against Kildare, and I can see why they're heavy favourites. They would have been heavy favourites for the game in Newbridge as well a couple of years ago, and they absolutely annihilated Kildare in the league. Like it wasn't really a close game. There was a, a bit where I think maybe Kildare got it back to four points in the second half, and like oh, but then nothing happened. You know, it, they didn't have anything to kick on, and Kildare conceded a massive amount in that game against Mayo. They conceded a massive amount in the game against Westmeath, and as we all mm-hmm. know, famously they uh, shooed five goals in in the first half against the Dubs. So. Um, are we just going to see a very disappointing end to the first season of the Kildare Dream Team management, do you think? Or is there a kick in them? James O'Donoghue is adamant that there's a kick in Kildare this weekend. He is every, adamant. Every time he's predicted a good performance from Kildare, right down to the under-20s, he's been wrong. He is the <laughs> cold, clammy kiss of death with Jinx. his predictions. <laughs> that is very true. As I heard that, I was like, no, James, no, don't do don't it. Say it. Step don't away. Say it. No, stop. <laughs> I'll be honest. Usually the kiss to death comes when all three of us back the same team but this I, I just I don't know Glenn Ryan was in Castlebar I don't know whether he got a tap on the shoulder of who may be coming up in the qualifier hat on Monday morning but he made the right call out of four um, so that was a very good move from Glenn Ryan had a bit of good scouting mission I'm not sure how worried he'd have been by Mayo but at the same time Jerry, you've made a list there of the games where Kildare have hemorrhaged a huge score and defensively they just haven't clicked I think if this game was anywhere but Crow Park, yeah. I'd be giving Kildare a bit more of a chance. I was just going to say that. Yeah, I think so, Ashley. Like, I think Croker suits Mayo down to the ground. I actually think Mayo were a lot better than the final scoreline against Monaghan suggests. I know Banty was saying they were robbed, possibly could have had a penalty. 
but Mayo shouldn't have been in that position. I think Mayo actually showed us that there's a lot more in them this year. They had a punch in the half-back line and McLaughlin, Durkin, Mullen driving forward, even in the Hessian. Henley was back in goals. He's worth three or four points on both sides, whether it's kickouts or freeze. And I don't think they've, they've nailed it yet up front. But The one caveat, right? Uh, wasn't the, wasn't the drawn game against Roscommon in Croker when they like true. needed needed a last kick to get through? So the whole notion that they're automatically good in Croker isn't actually true. They're automatically good in Croker when they're massive underdogs. Like after that game, obviously they came out and won the replay against Roscommon in the first ten minutes. I don't even remember. This is pre-COVID, isn't that 2019? Am I am I right about that? No, it's 2018? 17. 17. 17. The year that long ago. By point. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like the 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 Mayo narrative uh, is grand, but Mayo kicking wide is also a narrative, and they did a lot of that Big against time. Monaghan. You know, yeah, the the yeah. disease. They just have a lot of experience there. When Kildare, yeah, yeah, they got that bit of experience the last day against Dublin because from the get go, and even watching them warm up, I felt they looked like the Crow Park factor. I was like, oh god, they look a little bit off here. And then they started the game, and just even some of the the shot selection even different things like letting passes off is like that was totally the wrong option and it just looked like this is Crow Park having an impact on them and it took them a little while to get into it and they got into it say come the second half but the game was over game was yeah. over I, I think playing Dublin because they're so at home in Croker and they look so like yeah. chest out they look like the real dubs in Croker I think I think playing them in Croker there's definitely an element of teams freezing a little bit but happened to both meet and kill there that they just start panicking once the dubs are swinging over 19 out of 20 shots um, the other thing about Mayo Jer is we talked about me being split and you know not pulling in the same direction that county at the minute is definitely split like that the county at the minute we we had a roadshow our first football about roadshow in Castlebar last week we had the first hour which was all laughs and funny and Keith Higgins and James and Paddy were in great form the final 40 minutes we did a bit of a match preview I don't know whether the, the lights were turned on in the room but it got very very dark Paddy Andrews threw it open to the floor at one stage he said and like I started panicking at this stage he goes what did you think you know should Mayo have tapered off in the league or should they have gone for it or what was the story and all you hear people shouting back is it was shite we're brutal we're no we've no chance you know, it could have gone. I don't know what could have been said, but yeah. But if they if they whoop Kildare this weekend, they'll all be back in. Just when I thought I was out, it's I don't a, know. I think there's a lot of detractors in the county at the minute towards what's happening, and I think it's surprising given what James Horn has given them over the last, you know, decade, both ends of the decade. You know, how far he's brought them every single time, every single year. Mm. You know, they, they have a lot to be thankful for in Mayo, a lot to be grateful for. They do, they do, they do. And they'll be always there. Pat- there Patronises the Meath man. Good, good man, Tommy. Uh, you guys you have a lot to be grateful for. You could be me. It's true. It's true. Fair enough. Uh, I, the qualifier draw is really interesting because I think... Um, so, I, I think that there's a good chance uh, Mayo go through and there's a good chance that uh, the winners of Donegal Armagh are going to come through that battle-hardened. But uh, Cork versus Limerick and Roscommon versus Clare, like the provincial champions will all be happy enough to be drawn against the winners of Roscommon Clare or Cork-Limerick in particular. Like this, yeah, definitely. Isn't there a chance that Dublin reach an All Ireland uh, semi final this year? Like, there's a fifty fifty chance where the hardest game that have played is Ross Common, maybe. Yeah, hundred percent. I think Kerry could be, possibly be in the same boat. They've gone a long time now without a game. Obviously, you're relying on internal matches. I'm not convinced either of those teams, either of those thirty five players, are as competitive as it may have been four or five years ago. You're relying on that um, over the next four weeks because there's no one you can play challenges against. Anyone who's still in the mix can't play them you might come up against them in a few weeks and every other county is knocked out so 
I think it'll be difficult for those counties to get up to the level that they're going to need to face each other in Crow Park on July 10th. I think that All-Ireland semi-final is going to be if they get there. So, yeah. Donegal Armagh. How do you see that going, Jared? Because Donegal were very impressive against Armagh. Ethan Rafferty stood out at the weekend. Probably played the Rory Began role better than Rory Began's ever played it. But uh, Ethan Armagh Rafferty were very impressive against Tyrone, you mean? Yeah, but Donegal were very impressive against Armagh. It's seven weeks ago. Did. Yeah. So I don't know, how do you, how do you think that game is going to go? I think that um, you'd have to give Armagh the sense that we're, they, we're a team of confidence. We've mm-hmm. we've discovered some stuff. We've thrown off the shackles of fear that we had in that first game, which was actually more of an aberration. So if you, if you think about Armagh's season, the mm-hmm. final two games of the league where they're tapering off, getting ready for the championship, they obviously tapered off too much, came out, were a bit shook, and have recovered the early season form and made some changes and are now that rolling ball of knives that McGinney loves so much in the back door and the qualifiers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I, I think, think that role as well of Ethan, as you've mentioned, is really standing to them. Because even see when he's warming up before the game, like he does these like sprints out. Mm. Like he, it's as if he's he's warming up like he's a corner forward. You know, he's sprinting out with the ball and he's completely a free man then, you know. And they're, they're looking around to, what do you do? Do you go to him? Do you leave your player? And he's going straight up the field and scoring. So it's a, it's brilliant for them. It's a new aspect to play. And like, this is first year, isn't it? That he's... It, well, he only got put into goals, I believe, in the middle of the league this year. And it yeah. definitely was a wildcard move from McGinney. And you can see the benefits of it the last day, actually. But do you remember, could, could you, I can picture it right now, the full court Donegal press that they put on. Um, you could see it on the BBC cameras. I think you might have been at that game, Donegal Armagh. But like, yeah. the full press that they put on. Rafferty couldn't get out. He couldn't get out. And Donegal, yeah. only for their shooting, was so wayward in that first half. Should have been out of sight. Armagh come out, and for seven or eight minutes, Armagh are sensational in that game. It's the Armagh we know. They're playing with chaos, with abandon. But they leave 2-2 behind them. They don't score. Donegal break. And I think McBurty gets his goal, and they get two points, and the game is over. They get 1-2. So that's where that game was won. But Rafferty was destroyed on the kickouts that day. Like, that, that I would have thought, would have left a scar. Um, he's come through it he was very impressive last weekend but Donegal who didn't put a, apply this press to Derry Zorn Lynch need to be applying this press if they're going to beat them this weekend and I think I don't, I don't know how Armand do you think they'll set up a little bit differently than how they Donegal? would have set yeah I don't think they can I, I, I think that's the, I think that's the problem at the minute I think Donegal have the players I just think the system that they've been playing for the last little while the way they've been building up I think we've just been let down so many times by Donegal I just I find it very difficult to back them again uh, okay. Um, what about Claire? As a as a Claire man now, Tommy. Yeah, I had my half and half jersey on Cusie Park the last time. <laughs> um, at least I can fully wear my Claire jersey now. I actually can't. I'm half Roscommon more so. My mom's from Roscommon. Uh, how's this game going to go? Um, I think Roscommon are going to love Croker. I think they've. I know they have a record there where they've they've struggled to win big championship matches in Croker's since the eighties. But they'll remember I the league final more than that, you know. Yeah, exactly. And they shot the lights out that day, even though they conceded a bucket load of scores. I think they have the footballers that it'll, it'll suit them in Croker. I think they possibly, they probably should have caught Galway if they mixed it up a little bit more a little earlier. thought Ulton Herney had a massive game that day. Their forwards were pretty quiet. I think Clare will be stronger in the middle. They're shooting, let them down the last day. Big time against Mead. They should have beat Mead by 15, 20 points. Like, legitimately. The Mead goalkeeper, Harry Hogan, made three exceptional saves. Stopped a penalty as well, so it's four. And Clare kicked a lot of wides and the game is in a melting pot. So if Clare gets their shooting on, uh, this game would be very, very tight. I would be but so much more excited for these games if they weren't in Crow Park. A though. thousand percent. A thousand percent. Yeah. 
I do wonder if it's a joke. all the counties shouldn't just come up with a home and away arrangement and go, look, at some point we're going to meet you in a championship match. It's home and away. Away we go. Yeah. Like, and, and just like take the decision out of... Because it's funny, the decision about... Uh, Martin Brownie's given out about it today. Uh, Is he? About giving the, out about Crow Park? Uh, giving out about the home and away um, oh, for... Of course he is. Uh, for that, for the Limerick Cork game being in Porky Cueve. Um, I've never read somebody to be so consistently against everything I believe in the GA. Martin Bretney <laughs> as always, every single column is like the complete opposite of what I think. Um, anyway, his point is that the, the home and away should actually only apply for the provincial championships and it shouldn't apply for, and that, that should be at a neutral venue. And actually, in, in this case, Tommy, I'm not sure I disagree, to be honest, because uh, Cork are saying, no, no, you owe us because we played you last, and so that ah, game's okay. a Park of yeah. Um So, like, I do wonder if... Um, I do wonder if, if actually the home and away isn't a bad idea. In this instance, you might get more Porky Creeve than you would if that game was being played somewhere else. Maybe they could have played in Killarney. I don't know. Would that have got... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Price of hotel rooms in Killarney is probably the same as it is in Dublin at the moment. I don't know. Um, yeah. But look, the Croke Park issue... Stick it in Ennis. Stick it in Ennis. Pack it Ennis, out. Yeah. Have an atmosphere. You know, the Carolina Curling game was packed out in Ennis. It was brilliant. I think there was possibly four and a half five thousand at that game and against Mead and it was a good, very good atmosphere you know um, Tell me, I don't know I, before, was just a waste. before we go uh, you were uh, another full competitor at the triathlon at the weekend you finished well done, two minutes ahead of, of Ashley but I'm not sure you actually finished two minutes ahead of her according to the times yeah we think it's one so or maybe I've one minute. well she I, was well, she was laid into the water because of the the uh, wetsuit issue but your time and chip doesn't your time doesn't start until you but I had no water. time and chip that's the thing she had no time and chip but I lost fell my off time and chip for two minutes on the bike and I spent two Tommy, minutes Tommy I definitely bet you Gilroy comes beside me and says keep going <laughs> I was like yeah, I've just been in the dish for two minutes did you, no, you get off I, the bike I had a number I had to get off the bike for two minutes look for my time and chip I had a number of equipment issues no okay forgot my shoes but I also realised later that I wore my bloody wetsuit inside out. Oh, yeah. we, we knew that. <laughs> yeah. All you know, the pictures me? we put up, actually, that's how I could spot you in the water because the tag on the back of it was hanging out. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me? I'm not. This it added my to it all, back. Tommy. Uh, a bad workman blames his tools, Tommy. That's one of the first little adages yeah. you learn as a, as a young Irish lad. A bad workman was, blames his tools. I was just very happy to get through it. No injuries. Very, very enjoyable. Even just to finish it, I thought it was brilliant. No, no, no. Well you were competing against Shane and then he absolutely destroyed you. And now it's like, oh, I was ah. just happy. I was just happy to take part. That was that was my ambition the whole time. Shane Hannon is built for that type of sport. Look yeah. at him. He just like he just flew through it like, you know, so well done to Shane. But, you know, if I met Shane in the corner of a football field, I'd be pretty confident I'd be winning that ball. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> it, that, that's not what happened, though. It was a triathlon. No. You weren't playing no. full forward. It's grand. So it's very true. Right, very well, true. Sure. we'll yeah. see you out there next year. Tommy, good yeah, stuff. Definitely. The, uh, the Roadshow is available for watch. Full full thing is up on YouTube right now. Up on YouTube, yeah. The first hour, plenty of laughs, plenty of stories. Check it out. And uh, this week's episode of the Football Pod is available in the Football Pod feed on podcast. We'll have it ready to go every Tuesday morning at the very latest. If we get recorded earlier, we'll have it up on a Monday night. All right, good stuff. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.